0: Boy, do we have a juicy podcast for you guys this week. Had a little bit of a scheduling conflict over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Ethan had some AP tests. I had my final week in Copenhagen that was a little bit busier than I expected. And of course, the time difference didn't help. So we ended up missing not one, not two, not three, but four Premier League match weeks, including some makeups. Um, so we have a lot to cover yeah. in this match week. My name is Braden. I'm here finally back in New Jersey with my brilliant co-host, Ethan.
1: Happy to have you back. It's, <laughs> it's, been, it's been rough having you away. Like, there's been a lot of technical difficulties. Obviously, the scheduling, like you mentioned, yeah, with yeah, you yeah. across the Atlantic is a lot more difficult than scheduling with you when you're sure. in the room next to me. As expected. Yeah.
0: Um... <laughs> But aside from the Premier League, to start off this week, even though we do have four match weeks to cover, we must cover this breaking news. Fowler and Baligan has committed to play football for the United States of America. The one position, really, you, you would say that the United States have had huge question marks in has been striker, and finally they've got
1: their man. Yeah, like you mentioned, the number nine position has just... It almost feels in my entire life there has never been a consistent number nine for the U.S. M's National Team, especially these last couple of years. It's just been a constant trial and error. Yeah, yeah. But if there was ever a number nine that seemed like he would have the position locked down, it would be Balogun. Nobody else, no other American striker has come close to the impact he's had yeah. for his team. I believe he has 19 goals for Reams yeah. this year. Uh, He's not top scorer anymore, but at one point was, you know, competing yeah. for top scorer with Kylian Mbappe yeah. in League 1. And Lacazette. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> Lacazette. Somehow Lacazette, <laughs> I think, is tied with Mbappe for top goal scorer. That's a different conversation altogether. Uh, but this is a really, really huge uh moment for the U.S. men's national team because, like you said, this, this was the one position that they didn't have mm-hmm cemented into their into their starting 11 and now they have four more years to let Balogun develop let him you know assimilate to the u.s get some hot dogs in him you know yeah give him a couple guns uh (laughs) couple fourth of july celebrations you know just make this man as american as possible i mean he has played
0: in the youth system for the u.s men's Uh national team so he He's got a couple hot dogs in him already, but um, yeah, we we we'll, we'll get him to the American style yeah. soccer soon. I mean, this is uh, this he could be like like a uh, a U.S. men's national team legend. Like this be. guy is very very good at football. Mm. God, I don't know where he's gonna end up this summer because in all likelihood he will not be an, an Arsenal player because unless they get rid of Eddie Dzeko, which is also possible. Yeah, but. I, 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 he should see regular first team football Mm. up until the next world cup. We can only hope. So, uh, yeah, certainly he is, it's his position over the Josh Sargent's and the Peppies and the, Mm. uh, P Fox and the Pereiras. So, um, yeah, this is a huge moment and the U S men's national team fans certainly understand what kind of moment this is, especially at this position. Like, you could argue that all the other positions are locked down, especially in the World Cup. Like, yeah. center back, Reem Zimmerman was decent. Mm-hmm. Like, Timothy uh, Robinson at left back. Um, the goalie, obviously. Um, Matt Turner locked up. Serginio Dest, should he decide to start defending at some point, will <laughs> be the right back for years to come. And then the midfield of...
1: Adams, McKinney... Yeah, and, uh, Brandon Aronson. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Aronson. Marisa. Yeah, Moose, Moose.
0: Um, and then the wingers are going to be Reina and Pulisic. Or uh, maybe not Reina, but because um, mm-hmm. but and Reina. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with the head coach. Mm-hmm. But um, it. I think it should be Reina and Pulisic. And if it is Reina and Pulisic, if it's not Reina and Pulisic, it'll be Reina and Weya. But again, those are locked up. And it was really just the number nine that was that rotating yeah. door. And hopefully this kind of puts a stop to that. And... I don't know what us men's national team is always at its best when they have that solid number nine yeah Altidore Donovan Dempsey so hopefully this is a major step in the right direction hopefully they get a couple more big I don't know if transfers is the right uh word but a couple of like standout players that come along like Brendan Aronson yeah um over the next couple of years because 2026 is going to be one hell of a summer But without any further ado, we have quite the podcast for you this week. We're going to do it similarly to the way we did the last podcast. We're going to do kind of battle by battle, race by race. We're going to go relegation battle and then top four battle and then
1: the title race, which in quotation quotation marks, we're going to tell you what happened, basically. Uh Um, Past tense. Yeah.
0: But before we jump into all that, we're going to do, most likely, our final Worst Team Wins update. If you are unfamiliar with the Worst Team Wins competition, it is a season-long competition between me and Ethan, where before the season started, we did some research, and we drafted, snake draft style, a team full 11s of FPL players that had to fill up 80 million pounds worth of FPL. But instead of trying to get the most amount of points, we tried to get the least amount of points. So we were trying to draft busts in a way. Players that would overperform. Um, and right now, I think it may be over.
1: Yeah. Yeah. As, as I said on the last podcast, which was several uh, decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brayden has been performing well as of late. Uh, but that was more due to the fact that many of his Man City players were behind on games. Yeah. And some of those games were made up over the course of the last couple match weeks here and there. So, over the course of the last four match weeks, my team, Garnacho Cheese, scored 110 points overall, while Brayden's team had a whopping 156. Yep. Yeah, Holland netted a couple goals. Foden came back from injury. Mares was in the goals and assists. So, that brings my season total up to. 1,101 points and Braden's up to 1,247 points. Uh, it, an insurmountable deficit. Uh, I would say so.
0: Yeah. Unless my entire team gets yeah. injured next week or before next week because I don't even know. If they start the match and get the points for starting the match, I think it would be over. As yeah. well. If they all get injured in training before the next match week, then I have a chance. Other than that, I think we can call this one wraps. It's I've been chasing for the majority of the season. Yeah. This is no, no surprise to anyone. However, it was fun, and I learned my lesson, I think. Maybe. We'll see. Come next season. But, mm. yeah, uh, Ethan's team was clearly worse than mine. I think he that the A couple picks that stand out. The Ronaldo pick was yeah. very good because that was $8 million, $9 million to the yeah. team. One of the heftier players, and he generated... Almost no points, yeah, and then got shipped out in January, so that was a pretty good one. Um, on my end, I would say probably Holland did it, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it takes too much <laughs> analysis to figure that out. Um, Darwin Nunez also started off pretty poorly and then has picked it up since he does what 10 league goals,
1: yeah, like nine or ten, yeah.
0: Um, so You know, those are my two. Those are two picks that were pretty heavy and ended up being worth their weight. Um, Certainly one being more than (laughs) what I what I paid for him. But yeah, this wouldn't chalk this one up as a fair and square loss on my end. And uh, we can move on to next season. But without any further ado, let's get into the relegation battle. And it, it, I believe two, uh, what was it, three weeks ago when we did our podcast, two or three weeks ago when we did mm-hmm. the podcast, it was an eight-team relegation battle, yeah. or a seven-team relegation battle. We've shortened it to six. Uh-huh. We've said that Bournemouth uh, and Wolves, I think it was an eight-team, and we mm-hmm. said that Bournemouth and Wolves have safely escaped yeah. relegation, They, barring unforeseen circumstances. I, I don't know if they're officially safe. I know Chelsea's officially safe, so yeah. we can rule them <laughs> out um but i don't know if they're officially safe but certainly at this point it'd be hard to see them falter this much at this stage so we're going to rule them out and we're going to go from west ham down starting off with west ham's last four weeks started off with a 2-1 loss versus liverpool in match week 33 then a 4-3 loss versus crystal palace at crystal palace then came back and beat united 1-0 at home a valuable valuable three points and then Went to Brentford and lost two nil. They sit on thirty-seven points. They play Leeds and Leicester coming up, so they have a pretty hefty, you know, decide uh, schedule of deciding football when it comes to this relegation battle. Yeah. Two teams that are currently in the relegation zone um, and will need to take points off them to survive. So, you know, they're probably safe. I mean, the only way they could get relegated is if Leeds, no, I don't think they, I think they may mathemath- mathematically be safe because if they lost both games, um, it would put Leicester on 33, Leeds on 34, on no, Le- Leicester on 36 if they won both their games, and they'd have to beat Newcastle away, um, and then Leeds on 37, and West Ham would be on 37, and I would can only assume, considering that Leeds concede so many goals. That Leeds would be behind on goal difference, and yeah, they Leeds are, are by eleven.
1: 11 yeah, um, they're they're pretty much. So safe. I, I would yeah. say West
0: Ham are safe, but for all intent purposes, they are technically not safe. Uh-huh. So we'll keep them here. Moving on to Nottingham Forest, who are currently sitting in 16th, starting off in match week 33 with a 3-1 win versus Brighton, following it up with a 2-1 loss versus Brentford, a 4-3 win versus Southampton, <laughs> a crazy, crazy football match yeah. that was, and then following it up, obviously you got to check points mm-hmm. off Chelsea. So 2 2 at Sanford Bridge in match week 36. They sit on 34 points. They play Arsenal and Crystal Palace coming up. Two not so easy contests. And they are not completely in danger like Everton are sitting one point above Leicester, uh, one point above Leeds in 17th. But they can't lose both of these because I think that if Leeds do beat West Ham, which I. West Ham, knowing they're pretty much safe, might take their foot off the gas a little bit. Leeds, knowing that they need points, Uh could easily go to West Ham and take all three. That would put Nottingham Forest tied with Leeds, who might be still sitting in that 18th spot. And Nottingham Forest play Arsenal this week. A demoralized Arsenal at that, but still Arsenal. (laughs) So Nottingham Forest certainly aren't safe sitting in 16th. Moving on to Everton in 17th. 4-1 4-1 loss to Newcastle in Match Week 33, followed up by a 2-2 draw with Leicester. Very big match there. Um, ended up points being shared. Then a pretty wild 5-1 win versus Brighton at Goodison. An inexplicable
1: <laughs> 5-1 win versus Brighton.
0: Um, Following that up by losing 3-1, 3-0 to Man City at home. Um, Nothing really they could have done about that. That was uh, They started off pretty hot, but eventually got bested by a better team they sit on 32 playing Wolves and Bournemouth two winnable games I would say Bournemouth and Wolves obviously just escaped relegation um in the last couple of weeks after getting some good results so they're on decent form but you know these aren't world beaters so uh certainly one of the you know Goodison on the last day knowing they need a point three points to survive I think they could get the job done against Bournemouth should it come to that Moving on to Leeds, who currently sit inside the relegation zone. A 1-1 draw versus Leicester. A 4-1 loss to Bournemouth, which effectively removed them from the relegation battle. Then a 2-1 loss at Manchester City. A pretty valiant effort there. Um, And then a 2-2 draw versus Newcastle, which is another pretty decent result for Leeds. Mm -hmm. They sit on 31 points. One point above Leicester, who are in 19th. They have a game at the London Stadium against West Ham and then play Tottenham at home on the final day. So Leeds Leeds need to get some results obviously sitting in the in in the relegation zone. Just talked about that West Ham game. It's probably going to come down to whether they can get three points in the West Ham game because Leicester are if Leicester lose to Newcastle, who by the way, have slipped into a serious top four battle, as Uh we'll get to later in this podcast. Um, If Newcastle beat Leicester at home, which in all likelihood they will, that'll put Leicester on 30 points and going to play West Ham at home on the final day. If Leeds, let's say, draw against West Ham, that'll put them on 32. Everton play Wolves. At best, they get a draw there. That'll put them on 33. So now they have to beat Tottenham at home to get out they pretty much need to then retroactively have beaten West Ham. So if Leeds can beat West Ham, that'll put them on 34. If Everton draw or lose to Wolves, that'll put them on 33 and back in the relegation zone. So this Leeds game, you know, Tottenham are not on good form right now. So you could easily get points against Tottenham, but right now that West Ham game is the one you have to be looking at if you're Leeds. Um... Get through Leicester, and then we could talk about the relegation battle as a whole. Leicester sitting in 19th place. That 1-1 draw against Leeds that I talked about for uh, Leeds' section, and that's week 33. Then a 2-2 draw with Everton, then a 5-3 loss to Fulham, and then a 3-0 loss to Liverpool yesterday. So they sit on 30 points. Everyone here is sitting on 36 games played. They have Newcastle away, and then that West Ham game at home on the final day. So, when at one point I said, I don't think Leicester are going down because they're, I think they have too much talent. Now I'm thinking, where's James Madison going yeah. in the offseason? Because <laughs> this, they not only are they now like very much tipped to go down, yeah. but they are playing like a team that is mm-hmm. likely to get relegated.
1: It just seems like all this time we've just been waiting for it to turn around. Just yeah. because everybody knows that this lesser team are just too good to go down uh-huh. a team that two was it two years ago that they choked top four or yeah was it, three <laughs> years ago? it seems like just yesterday they were choking uh you know champions league races now they are predicted to go down at this point they're favored yeah
0: and they hired Dean smith who's a very good manager and mm-hmm. still nothing has happened in fact it's probably got worse
1: yeah, and they they've had their opportunities. Big games against Leeds, Everton. Yeah. These winnable games, games that they have to take three points from, and yeah. they just aren't. Yeah. They they have so much more quality over teams like Leeds, Leeds and Everton. Yeah. They they really do. I mean, Ianacho, Daka, even Vardy. I mean, listen, yeah. he's past his prime, but still a very experienced striker.
0: Madison and Didi Barnes. Mm-hmm. Like th- 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 these are players that. Yeah. We they're will lose. Mm-hmm. Like if Leicester go down, Ma- I think Madison and Didi, Tielemans, Barnes. <sighs> I mean, Vardy will stay. Where's Vardy gonna go? So Vardy'll yeah. stay. Ian Acho maybe stays, but like he'll look for a way out. Uh shrewsbury Shrewsbury Hall maybe leaves. Mm-hmm. James Justin maybe leaves. Yeah. Uh Pereira maybe leaves. Actually Pereira I think would stay. I he I, I feel like he might be too connected to the club, but just like all these, like, they might lose six, five or six guys. And I don't know if they're coming back next season if they lose all these guys because they got to replace them.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: and if they're pretty shit with James Madison at Cam, what, what's the team going to look like when they lose them? And in DD, like, I, they're, they're, they might be in some hot water.
1: Yeah, but it, it really has been mostly the defense for less of this oh, season yeah, that's just yeah. been piss poor, just in every facet. From set pieces, open play. I mean, it's, the set pieces have been an issue for yeah. a couple of seasons now, and the cracks are starting to form there. But 67 goals conceded. Second most in the league, I think. Yeah, joint uh, second. Third
0: most, because Bournemouth is
1: 69. Yeah, yeah. Joint third most. Well, yeah. if Bournemouth didn't just, like, lose, like, 9-0, <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just a couple times a season or whatever, like, then they would be higher up on yeah, that yeah. list. But, yeah. Um, and... I thought they made some nice signings in the um in the January transfer window too. Tete looked to be yeah. a good signing from uh Shakhtar. Wasn't It Wasn't Leon, it was he was on at one of yeah. the clubs. And then they signed Christensen, the left back. Yeah. Um and it seemed like they made enough reinforcements to at least keep themselves yeah, up. More and they than just enough. haven't yeah. had just haven't had the performances to go with it. And be interesting to think about what this team would look like with Casper Schmeichel. I mean, he's obviously a quality goalkeeper yeah. that certainly had the you know, control over the dressing yeah. room, such a commanding presence. And I don't, I don't I don't even know if Danny War is still in goal. I, I think they've
0: moved on, yeah. I think so too. I think they
1: have a different keeper in there now, but either way, clearly neither of them have filled Schmeichel's boots. And I wonder, I wonder if he could have, obviously, Leicester wouldn't, you might have completely turned around the club. Lester yeah. wouldn't be, you know, pushing for Europe had Schmeichel stayed. But I feel like that kind of presence and the types of, you know, important saves he can make, or at least lack of mistakes <laughs> yeah. that Schmeichel could yeah. make, Yeah, you know, they're only two points from safety. Mm-hmm that's the difference that a good sure. goalkeeper can make over the yeah. course of a season. So,
0: uh, We didn't even talk about
1: Southampton, but mm-hmm. I could say, I'm i sure it's obvious they are officially
0: relegated. Uh, they have lost many games in a row, certainly the last four. Um, they've been far and away the worst team in the league this year, and justly relegated. Justly sitting bottom, and will be sitting bottom come the final day, most likely. Um, where to it go wrong for Southampton? Probably the same way that you know, a lot of the teams that come dead last in the Premier League went wrong. They just didn't have enough talent. They... The fact that they yeah. couldn't play Arsenal every week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, they, they're relying on guys like Theo Walcott to yeah. generate offense <laughs> for them. And I don't think... Shea Adams and Theo Walcott is just not going to get you survival in this league. And you can score as many James Ward-Prowse free kicks as you want. It's probably not going to get you out of the relegation zone. And it buried them deep, deep into last place. Um, And they will be missed in the Premier League because they remain stay for a very, very long time. And I can only imagine that they'll be on their way back up. Very, very soon, but...
1: Ward-Prowse will be missed. I don't know about anybody else. Uh, (laughs) Let's be honest. He's going to stay, right? I feel like... (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that's the question everybody's uh, asking is, does Ward-Prowse... I mean, he is the captain. He's been there for years and years. So, we'll see if, you know, the captain does go down with his ship.
0: I could, Uh, uh... I feel like Everton have often been the home for, like... Good players on uh, yeah. relegation teams like mm-hmm. Tarkowski and yeah, you know. So I think I could see him as a starting midfielder for Everton, it just like in with Decoré and you know uh, Onana mm-hmm. if he doesn't leave next the summer. But yeah, yeah, Southampton will be dearly missed. Um, walk out playing the championship next year if he doesn't mm-hmm. retire. <laughs> um, but yeah, they clearly didn't have enough talent and it it showed. So. Rest in peace, Southampton, you will be missed. But all to play for, certainly, the other two spots. Um and come the final day. I mean, West Ham, (laughs) it's pretty crazy how West Ham are essentially safe and can decide Mm. who lives and dies in this in this title (laughs) race. So that should be very, very interesting. Games definitely to look out for there. Moving on to the top four race. Four teams we have designated as part of the top four race Newcastle in third, United in fourth, Liverpool in fifth, Brighton in sixth. I believe Tottenham have officially been clinched, removed, being like, yeah, Tottenham not, can't mathematically make top cannot four. make top four. Yes. Yeah. Um, but Brighton mathematically still can. Um, they are pretty far down, but they do have a couple of games at hand. Um, start with Newcastle, a 4-1 win at Goodison in match week 33, followed by a 3-1 win at home versus Southampton, uh, no games in the makeup window, um, a 2-0 loss to Arsenal at home, match week 35, followed up by a 2-2 draw at Ellen Road in match week 36. They sit on 66 points, 35 games played. Manchester United had a 2-2 draw versus Tottenham that they choked away relatively late um, to Hyoman Sons Equalizer in Match Week 33. Uh, match Week 34, uh, it was a 1-0 win versus Aston Villa. Um, in the makeup window, they lost 1-0 to Brighton. Match Week 35 lost 1-0 to West Ham and turned around and won 2-0 against Wolves at home in Match Week 36. They sit on 66 points having played 35 games as well, only sitting a couple goals back. No, not a couple goals back. Mm. Money more than a couple goals back. In fact, 22 goals back on goal differential. So they essentially are a half point back of Newcastle because they have no chance of making up the goal differential. Moving on to Liverpool who have been on an absolute tear recently. A 2-1 win at West Ham in Match Week 33. A 4-3 win versus Tottenham in Match Week 34. One of the games of the season, I must say. A 1-0 win versus Fulham in the makeup window. A 1-0 win versus Brentford in Match Week 35. And a 3-0 win just yesterday at the King Power. Uh, To make it seven wins on the spin for Liverpool, who have surged back into the top four battle. 65 points on 36 games played so a point back of manchester united and newcastle having played one more game so they will need some results to go their way with either one of newcastle and united um it doesn't i'm not sure if it matters to them which one because liverpool are much closer to newcastle uh, on goal differential only four goals back Mm -hmm. so if they win out it's likely that they might catch Newcastle if, that, if Newcastle end up dropping points. So they need Newcastle, if they need Newcastle and Manchester United to drop points, they have goal differential in Newcastle, and they will probably pick up goal differential in Newcastle should they catch them on points. So goal differential they might have. Um, considering that they're mm. scoring a lot of goals recently, goal differential they might pick up on both of them. So they pretty much just need the results to go their way yeah. if they win out the next two games. And that leaves us with Brighton, who in Match Week 33 lost 3-1 to, I believe, Brentford? That was? I put Brighton, but they couldn't have lost to Brighton, because they are Brighton. Yes. <laughs> so, I assumed that it was Brentford. Oh, it wasn't. It was... Oh, jeez. Who did they... Oh, Nottingham Forest. I'm not sure why I put Brighton. It was a 3-1 loss at Nottingham Forest. Um... And then a Match Week 34, 6-0 win versus Wolves, a 1-0 win versus Manchester United in the makeup window on a very, very late Alexis McAllister penalty, yes. uh, very reminiscent of the very, very late Bruno Fernandes yes. penalty <laughs> from the COVID year. Um, a little bit of payback there. It all comes around. Um, then a peculiar peculiar 5-1 loss to Everton, as we mentioned before, followed by a... Almost equally peculiar 3-1 win versus Everett. Maybe not as equally peculiar, because mm. we can trace it back to a little um demoralization on the other side of the field. But still going to the Emirates Stadium and winning 3 nothing is wildly impressive. That puts them on 58 points with 34 games played. So if they were to win their two makeup games, one of them being Manchester City, so let's not assume anything. But if they were to win those two games, it would put them on 64 with 36 games played, which would put them one point behind Liverpool. So their destiny is still almost in their own hands if they were to win out again one of those games is against manchester city um if they were to win out they would in theory be right in that title race with liverpool so can't count them out but right now they're probably just looking to generate enough points to maybe slip into the europa league um which still would be difficult if they, I mean if they slip into the Europa League at 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 five, they're very much in the title race because five, uh, three, four, and five are insanely close. Mm. So if they were to catch five, well, six is still Europa League, is it? Yeah, I thought it was Conference League.
1: no nah, six is it's, Europa. Six league. Is Europa.
0: Okay, so yeah. if they uh, they are certainly with Tottenham behind them, mm-hmm. um, certainly in prime position to remain in that Europa League spot, and that would be more than a successful season for them. So I'm sure they would take that any day of the week. Um, but this Liverpool team is playing, like, they want top four, about worse than Manchester United right now, certainly.
1: Yeah, um, I think it's no surprise that this Liverpool resurgence has coincided with a resurgence in the performances of Alexander-Arnold, uh-huh. because he's been unstoppable, uh, these past, this past month, basically, mm-hmm. month, month and a half, where he's almost been moved into this defensive midfield role sometimes Yeah, in parts of games. And honestly, I mean, people have talked about it for a while. Certainly people have been doing it in their career modes. But it just seems to work better for him. When, when he's not being exposed defensively, it really just allows him to focus on the main part of his game, which is his creativity, his ability to pick passes and he can really control the midfield. Obviously his crossing ability is better utilized from out wide, but he can still he's still a great passer just in general. It's not just crossing. It's Mm. short passing, switches of play, you know, balls in behind, through balls. Like he can really control the game from a defensive midfield role. And that's what he's been doing a lot for Liverpool these past couple of weeks. And it's great to see because everybody knows the quality that Alexander Ronald has. And yes, we like to make fun of him for his defensive ability, yeah. but he is one of, if not the best offensive you know, defender on the planet right now. And yeah. I don't think there's too many arguments you can make against that. And when he, when he's in full flow and not being a liability defensively, which Clearly, you know, he isn't being three clean sheets in a row, too, yeah. for this Liverpool team. Then, yeah, they're cooking. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I, and they, they, they were generating, the thing is, Liverpool earlier in this year, they were generating the same amount of chances they were now. Nunes and Salah were just missing them. Mm-hmm. Now is on very good form, yeah. putting them away. And all of a sudden, it's no surprise, they're flying. They got Jota to back, too, which is nice. And Diaz. And Diaz. Uh, yeah diaz certainly was is a big boost but van dyke has been poor all season now he's very solid like it's all clicking at the right time for liverpool and it part of the reason that liverpool that we're so confused why liverpool were bad is because they have so much talent and they're the van dykes and the salas are still part of this team and haven't missed any games they've just been poor um there's there's a reason why everyone predicted them to come second behind City before the season is because their team was largely the same and they kind of diverged in opposite directions. Chelsea somehow got worse and Liverpool shot right back up the table. So, especially with the way Manchester United's playing right now, let's let's take a look at Manchester United because when you think about this Manchester United attack, right? Bruno Fernandez had, if you look at the the advanced analytics, has been one of the be- best cams in the league this year in terms of chances created dribbles mm-hmm. completed like pass percentage things like that he's been very very good as a creator however when rashford isn't playing like prime r9 yeah <laughs> who's scoring for this team rashford's off form right now so he's not scoring goals vout Veghorst can't score goals yeah anthony can't score goals like they were getting winners from casemiro and now they're now nobody's scoring so you look at the last couple games two goals against tottenham rashford was one of them Mm -hmm. one goal against villa no goals against brighton no goals against west ham and then two goals against wolves so that's they went a stretch of three games three games that they need to get results from to secure their place in top four and they scored one goal against brighton uh villa and west ham like if rashford isn't scoring who's scoring and that's the you know obviously the hopefully for united fans something they'll attack in the window is a pure number nine because yeah. they moved Veghorst into like a false nine yeah. rule at one mm-hmm. point they they like their uh, ten hog is having this huge headache over how to actually get this team to generate goals because mm-hmm. they know that bruno fernandez it's clear uh, based on the analytics that he is creating more than enough chances for this united team to score yeah. they just can't get the ball over the line and they got two games left to kind of fix this mm-hmm. or they will lose top four to Liverpool. They, it is very, very possible that they will lose top four to Liverpool. Coming up, they have um they have Bournemouth away, which Bournemouth isn't necessarily playing for anything, but that's that's a tough that's a tough game. Um they have three games left. Bournemouth away, Chelsea at home, and then Fulham at home on the final day. Fulham is a game they could absolutely lose if they don't score. Chelsea is a team that they, that I, I mean, Chelsea have yet to put in a good performance this season. So it would mm. more be on che- what Chelsea want to do with this game than Manchester United. Um, and then Bournemouth away could, it's, another, it's, like, it's almost the same game to me as the Brighton loss and the West Ham loss away. They could easily go away to that field and not score a single goal and lose 1 nothing to a Philip Billing 75th minute goal.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Easily. And you look at these Liverpool... I mean, Liverpool, it doesn't really matter if they're playing right now. They could They could win. That means Southampton on the final day. Um, they have two games. It's Villa and then Southampton on the final day. Villa, obviously, also playing for something right now. Playing for your uh, conference league spot, potentially. But if assuming Liverpool win out, they get the job done at home against Villa. And then they go beat the worst team in the league in the final day. That puts them on 71 points. Manchester United need... 72 points to would need 72 points to secure top four that's two wins from their last three games they can't drop points to two of these teams and they could easily drop points to Bournemouth and easily drop points to Fulham on the final day I don't think I think Chelsea's the easiest of these three games honestly I think that they will drop points to Bournemouth maybe a 2-2 or something like that and then they'll drop points to Fulham on the final day even at home, even knowing they'll get points because they just can't score right now. Maybe Rashford pulls something out of his ass, but this, it, this is, it is very, very much in the cards that this Manchester United team, after praising Ten Hag for the whole season and saying that their club is revamped, could very, very easily lose top four to Liverpool to a team that was basically dead and buried at Christmas. So, <sighs> I don't know. And this, this is going to be – at one point, I, for the last time we did this, we were basically mm. like, okay, like, this is a top four race. Yeah. But, like, it's clear that there are two front runners and it would take something crazy. I don't even know if
1: we put Liverpool in there.
0: Yeah, it would take something absolutely crazy to undo that. Now, this is, like, almost as tight as the, as the relegation battle because Liverpool and the form right, they're on right now are going to put pressure on Manchester United, almost definitely. And United right now are playing like shit. So, come the final day, this could be uh, certainly the title race is not interesting anymore. So, this could be the more interesting of the of the battles. So, yeah, do you have Liverpool or Manchester United looking at the fixtures?
1: I have Manchester United, and that's for really one sole reason, and that's because of their home record. Two of these three games are at home, and United at home, they've just been. Really, really rock solid. They've only conceded eight goals at home the entire year. The next closest home record in terms of conceding goals is Newcastle with 13. Uh, they have the best points per game record at home, in the le- or second best behind Man City in terms of points per game at home. If these were two away, one home, I'd feel a little bit differently. Mm. Uh, but I don't see them um getting anything less than at least 4 points mm-hmm. from the games against Fulham and Chelsea at home and that will be enough obviously mm-hmm. to get them top 4 so that's why i think that united will pull through mm-hmm. but they certainly have not looked good yeah, it'll come down to, to the final weeks, day so. most likely um
0: Let's not forget Newcastle is also on 66 with 35 games played. The games that they have coming up are uh, Leicester away. uh, No, Leicester at home. uh, Chelsea away on the the final day. And then I think the first one was Brighton at home. So Brighton at home, Leicester at home, Chelsea on the final day. So Those are three difficult games. Mm -hmm. So it may very well be Newcastle that drops out of the top four and United that survived. So the more you look at it, Leicester that are who could very well take goal differential on both these teams, have two avenues now into the top four, not just one. So Newcastle also can't drop points from two of these three games, and they have a Brighton team that just bullied the shit out of Arsenal um on Thursday of this week. And then Chelsea on the final day who could Pull something. Not likely, but they could pull something. They are playing a very desperate Leicester team as well, so this could be very, very dicey. I'm pretty excited about this one. I I'm rooting for Newcastle to to stay in because they've deserved it Mm -hmm. the most out of these three teams this season. Yeah, I think it would be. I mean, I hate Manchester United, so I think it'd be pretty cool. I hate Mm -hmm. both of these teams, Liverpool, Manchester United, but like, I think I would be pretty cool if Liverpool came all the way back and took that spot Mm -hmm. away from United. Um, But Again, Liverpool really don't deserve it this season. They've been pretty poor for the majority. But this run, seven wins in a row, maybe they, maybe they just, just deserve it at the end of the season. But I, I would love to see Newcastle, uh, uh, Newcastle stay and United blow it, um, especially with the fixtures they have coming up. Yeah. But with that, we'll move on to the final race. Um, a race that has unfortunately, in all likelihood, ended. Um, with the last result from Arsenal uh, the title race uh, right now as it stands Manchester City on 85 points haven't played 35 games Arsenal on 81 points haven't played 36 games and their last four match weeks are as follows Manchester City started off match week 33 beating Arsenal 4-1 at the Etihad and we'll After this, we'll get into a game breakdown of that because that, Mm -hmm. again, we didn't – that's how long we haven't talked is that Arsenal game was right after our last podcast, Um, a game that went probably not the way either of us were thinking. Um, Even though it
1: went how exactly we should have thought it went.
0: (laughs) Um, So they beat Arsenal 4-1 convincingly at the Etihad Match Week 33, followed up with a 2-1 win at Fulham. 3-0 3-0 win versus West Ham. 2-1 win versus Leeds. And a 3-0 win at Goodison last week. Arsenal lose 4-1 to Manchester City in match week 33. Then followed it up with a 3-1 win versus Chelsea. No game in the makeup window. 2-1 win versus an impressive 2-1, 2-0 win against Newcastle at St. James. Match week 35. Um, and then they lose 3-0 to Brighton uh, last weekend. But uh manchester city four arsenal one i'm sure that you have calmed down a little bit in the last three weeks <laughs> from this result but try to reach back for me and and just grab exactly your emotions from this from this football match
1: um i almost felt betrayed just <laughs> deceived um i just felt so foolish I, after. As soon as the De Bruyne goal went, I just felt just so idiotic because I knew (laughs) that the game went... I just felt so stupid for thinking that Arsenal were going to have a chance because once the De Bruyne goal went, I knew it was going to go exactly how the last 12 (laughs) Arsenal losses in the league to City had gone, where it's just not even a contest. And this game was never a contest. And that's just what just felt so unfair about being an Arsenal fan that day, is that in the most important game of the last in the league of the last 20 years for (laughs) arsenal fans they weren't even in it they never even competed there was never a chance that they were going to get a result out of that game there's really not much more to it they were completely outplayed in every aspect of the game they tried to beat city at their own game and they got absolutely destroyed and that's the thing that I just don't understand is how Arsenal at this point haven't tried to just sit back. I know it's not their yeah. style of play, but you're never going to beat City at their own game. Arsenal tried to play possession, they tried to do you know their normal high press, and it was just never ever going to work against City. You know, the teams that get results against city the- city, they do, you know sit back, they do just try to tuck it in and most of the time it doesn't work but sometimes they're able to just beat city on the counterattack or catch him on, you know, a subpar finishing day and just grind it out and that's what I feel like Arsenal. Listen, you have to take the game to city, but you can't be foolish yeah about it. And Arsenal just they just never had a chance at beating city in that game. They were just completely outplayed from start to finish there's not too much else to say
0: yeah i was incredibly frustrated with how they played i think to say that they played like shit would be giving them too much credit because i honestly feel and i'm only saying this because I know how good they are. And Mm -hmm. everybody knows how good they are. And until they stepped on the field in that game, they were the best team in the Premier League that season. And the second they stepped on the field, all of that went away. And they laid down. They completely laid down. I was almost in disbelief at how poor every single member of Arsenal Football Club was on that day it it almost felt like they were like privileged to even be in the spot yeah and they were like 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 uh, i don't know it's just it went too much like it was supposed to yeah <laughs> like like the way technically if you look at all these circumstances the way it was supposed to go was that Arsenal fold under the pressure because they're so susceptible to pressure not only do they fold to the pressure but there's extra added pressure this is this is like worse than they played last season against Spurs and Newcastle because last year it was just top 4 and this year it feels like they dumped on even more pressure and they played an even better team so in theory they would lose like I don't know 4-1 at at the Etihad and I don't know, they would play 90 minutes being the second best football team, and it's not even close. And every Arsenal fan looked away in the, at halftime because it, like, what was it, 2 nothing at halftime? 3 nothing? at hal- They scored the second goal right before halftime, There's right? 2-0 at halftime. Um, 2 nothing at halftime is not an insurmountable lead. I've watched probably close to 500 football games. I have never seen a team, like, less likely to have a comeback in that game than that one. That was unbelievable how poor they were in that game and i'm it, like you said you were betrayed that is the best way of putting it because this football team is capable of so much more than what they did on that day and i was it was a good thing i was i I was like a couple beers deep <laughs> come the second half because i was sitting next to my friend nick um in a, and it's, we were standing up for the first half, and we luckily found a bar seat for the second half. And I could just sit there and just ramble on about how just god-awful they were on this day. And it's clear from watching this that they did not deserve to be champions because they were playing a team that did. And when you put them up side-by-side side like that, I mean, can you really convince me that this team is the best team in the Premier League after this game? I don't think you can. So, fair play to Manchester City arsenal are still a work in progress city are clearly the final product and they showed it on that day and not only did they show it on that day but they showed it the week after that and 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 the that. And the, the match week 36 result the three 0 loss to brighton i think is part in fact that they played second after city i think if city went and drew one one to everton that arsenal will be a little bit more invigorated this team has played solely on emotion this season it's very clear that they have because their home record was very very good and their fans have been i mean certainly in my 10 plus years of being an arsenal fan Emirates stadium has never sounded like this and they fed off that emotion and once that emotion got drained from the three nothing win from man city earlier that day it just felt like and if you watch the game you could tell if you're an Arsenal fan and you watch the game, you could just see it. They weren't inspired to win that game. They felt like it was over. And even if they won that game, it likely was. So I I I chalk this Brighton one up as a young kids that are frustrated and pouty. Either way, it you know, now City get two guards of honor instead of one. That's the only that's the only thing that really changed in all likelihood. Mm-hmm. Um City are deserved champions i i saw this clip earlier this week where if city went out three games left they end up on 94 points Mm. that means arsenal would have had to get 95 points to win the league i how many teams have gotten 95 points in the history of the Premier league like six and four of them are man city man city and two of them are liverpool like there's been 27 something years of the Premier league something like that and six teams have gotten 95 points. Like you say, I want to say Arsenal bottom of the league, sure. From where they were, sure. But they would have needed 95 points to beat Manchester City and a team of 22 year olds. Are they really going to get 95 points in the Premier yeah. League in a competitive season? Teams like Fulham that just came up are taking points off everybody. Teams like Brentford, Villa, like it, it just it's come the end of the season. It's hard for me to believe that Arsenal Football Club, in their current state, with their weak bench and their young team, were really going to get 95 points in the season. And if Manchester City weren't so good in the run-in, it wouldn't have been 95. It would have been like 90 points to win the league or 89 points to win the league. And then maybe you could say they bottled it because they didn't hit 89. But Manchester City needing you... And of course, Manchester City will always have goal differential on you, no matter what. Yeah. So you really need to beat them by a point, and if they force you to get ninety-five points to win the league, you're not going to do that too many years.
1: Yeah. Um. I think you mentioned just talking about the fact that there's such a young Arsenal team. I think the best way to describe that Man City game is that for so much of the season, you saw this confident Arsenal team, and you never really thought about. Their age, or saw you know the youth in that Arsenal team, but when you're watching this game against City, all of a sudden you just you could visualize, yeah. you could see that experience. Every time you looked at soccer, Odegaard yeah. or Martinelli, all of a sudden you saw just how young and just uh. scared these kids looked, and it's just something that you really hadn't seen before. Yeah, you're right in the season, and that's kind of just the overall feeling I got is which is that we were just not meant to be here. Yeah,
0: and, you know, we'll get into... Once the season ends, we'll review these teams and really take a deep dive into their seasons and where they went wrong, but this team has a bright future. I I, I know I said it earlier that this whole, like, pressure thing is only going to build. I still believe that, but it... The only way to overcome something like this is to try and fail and have that chip Mm. on your shoulder going into next season. So, you know, what happened to Liverpool? They generated a shit ton of points, lost out to City on 98. They had 97. Next season went and blew them out. Um, So, who knows? Really, who knows? This team is young. As an Arsenal fan, you should be nothing but optimistic. This season is still a success no matter what. So. I wanted this title as much as anyone, but the realistic Arsenal fan in me says that this team has one of the best center attacking mids in the history of the game, and potentially a legendary striker in yeah. pre- the prime of his career. Uh, we're gonna look back at this Manchester, Manchester City team, especially on a team <laughs> we're on the way to the treble. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see tomorrow, uh, City City Real Madrid tomorrow, but this would be a treble winning team one of the best teams to ever graze a football pitch and a team of 22 year olds almost beaten to the title so yeah that's the realistic arsenal fan in me the not so realistic arsenal fan in me would have a little more explicit explicit things to say however i'm not gonna say that because (laughs) you know i feel too much for these kids (sighs) and with that somber (laughs) section (laughs) of the podcast it's going to get a whole lot more somber when we start reviewing the season afterwards we'll move on to some goal picks let's look forward in the season you can only look forward you can't look back um if you're unfamiliar with the goal picks competition it is a competition between me and ethan a season-long competition between me and ethan where before the match week we look ahead to the upcoming match week and we try to pick three players that we think are going to score goals the only catch is the other player the only other person in the competition has three blocks and if they if any of their three blocks match up with the other person's picks they block that player and they get to pick what player instead of the player that you originally wanted so if i pick Salah, and Ethan blocks block i wouldn't get to use sala for the upcoming match week and he would then give me a different player to use it has to be a starting striker or starting forward in the league so he'd probably give me one that is unlikely to score in the upcoming match week uh that plan did not go so well for ethan <laughs> the last coming <laughs> in the recent weeks Um, Ethan, give us the update. But I'll I'll give a little backstory. Um, since we didn't exactly plan to not be recording Uh, the last couple weeks, um, we just simply used the picks that we used for that first match week 33, for match week 34, match week 35, and match week 36 because we thought that it was the best way to do it. We couldn't really retroactively pick anybody, so we just used those (laughs) picks for the rest of the weeks, and we saw what happened. And Ethan will give us the update now.
1: Yeah, so over the course of the last 4 weeks, my team, well, not really my team, just me. Uh, my picks were Mohamed Salah, Alexander Isak, and Marcus Rashford, but Brain blocked my Marcus Rashford pick and gave me Huang Yi Chan. And all 3 of my goals were courtesy of a hot streak from Mo Salah. He's been scoring form, mm-hmm. so he kind of carried my team mm-hmm. to bring my total up to 31 goals this season. And Braden had five goals, one Ooh. from Mikael Antonio, none from Ollie Watkins, and four goals <laughs> from Erling ha- Wait. <laughs> oh, it's not Erling Hahn. It's the Holland region, <laughs> fucking Taiwo Awonye. The play... I blocked... Who did I block for you like in this Kane week? Kane
0: or something? I don't even know. Tony, maybe? I think...
1: Yeah, I think... Yeah, it was Ivan Tony. I blocked Tony, and so I gave... Brayden Awonyi, who I haven't picked in a while. I brought him back from earlier in the season. And he scored four goals. Two <laughs> against Chelsea, two against Southampton. No player since our last podcast has scored more goals in the Prem <laughs> than Taiwo Owonyi. Awonyi now has more goals in the Prem this season, by the way, than Kai Havertz, <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne. Um, he has as many as Trossard and Gundogan. Uh... Julian Alvarez, I mean, this is this is just insanity. So <laughs> Taiwo Ogunyemi has single handedly brought Braden from the brink of another loss in a head to head competition to within touching distance. Uh, he's now on twenty eight goals this season, just three back with two match weeks left. A very, a very doable um, you know, task to pull that back. But these next these picks coming up right here are going to define the season. This and obviously the following week, but right now breathing has to have some great picks. I wonder what we're gonna do if uh if it's tied. Um, I mean that's why I kept the blocks tally as kind of like a tiebreaker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, I mean I think we both have one, so I can update that. So, yeah, I guess they are relevant now. I, I never update the blocks because yeah. they are just the tiebreaker, but um, my team does have 14 blocks. Or I have 14. I've blocked 14 of Braden's players, and Braden has blocked 12 of my players. So, hey, these, could, these blocks could be important. Yeah. I mean. All right. Some,
0: now it's time for some crucial... Goal picks. Yeah, these are the important ones down the stretch. Ethan needs to stave off a comeback from me.
1: Just like to give me your picks first. Sure. So I am going to go with my first pick mm-hmm. with Anthony. Um, Manchester United have, I think they have two before next week, or maybe just one. I know they have Bournemouth away uh this weekend. So yeah, we got to film before next Thursday. So just Bournemouth. Um, I don't think Marcus Rashford is healthy right now. I don't know if he's gonna play in this next game. So, uh, taking a gamble on Anthony he had an assist last week. Maybe he'll get a goal this week. I've gone for some safer picks this week. If I'm being honest, I three goal lead. Didn't want to go for anything drastic. Sure. So Anthony is my pick. My next one is Miko Antonio. Has been scoring a bit more recently. Um, I know you picked him uh, in the last round of picks. He did get a goal. Um, but he does have leads coming up this weekend. Leeds, of course, always leaking goals. So, he is my second pick. And for my third pick, I have the returning Alexander Mitrovic. He did return with the goal last week. Hopefully, he can continue that goal scoring form at home against Palace this week. So that will round out my picks. Who can I have?
0: You yeah, have all three. I blocked Kane, Isaac, and Tony. I thought maybe what go for some bold ones, but since now this blocks thing is very relevant, it might behoove you to go with some rather unlikely of picks. However, it does prevent you from. You know, it, it does give open the door for me to potentially yeah. stack it. You know, a cane hat trick or something and mm-hmm. get back in this thing. So, you know, you're playing with fire a little bit, but I'm not going to stop you. All right, time for my picks. Starting off first with Gabriel Jesus, one of the few players I think will not be completely, you know, pouty about this uh, this Arsenal downfall. Two games to go. I think he'll. Throw it all on the line. I mean, you look at the other three in the Arsenal attack. Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli. Very young. Might be a little more upset uh, not getting their first title. Jesus has the couple titles under his belt. I think he's going to go start out flying. Um, He's got Forrest away this week. Weaker side. Hoping he can bag a goal. I think it's been a little bit since he's bagged one, so I think he's going to do. Yeah. Second one, D-C-L. Big <laughs> game this week. I believe, is it West Ham this week? No, it's not. It's not West Ham this week. It's um, it's Wolves this week. Mm. Team that is not necessarily uh sound at the back. Um, has been on decent form recently, but not um, rock solid at the back. Um, DCL, since coming back from injury, has not been in the goals. He is their penalty kick taker. Um, he didn't play... Too poorly against City. He had a, he had a couple chances, um, but DCL, the big man, always a threat to score. I think he might not want home this weekend. Um, and finally, Darwin Darwin Nunez came Dar-whizzy. to Darwizzy. Darwizzy came to Benfica. <laughs> came from Benfica to the Big Red. There's nobody else like Darwin Nunez. I think he's going to get on the score sheet this week. Liverpool have been on very good form very good for going forward scoring goals for fun i think darwizzy could be on the end of some of them jesus dcl darwin nunez who can I have
1: you can have all three all right i, w- I would never block darwizzy <laughs> i mean i gotta let you have him i mean i mean the album is just uh, i'm sure you've seen it on tiktok darwizzy album every time a new song drops it's just absolute bangers just hits, no misses. Uh, yeah, I blocked... Uh, I, went, I went the Liverpool route. I went with uh, Gakpo. Sure. Um, and then uh, Callum Wilson, who has 17 goals this year somehow. Wow. Just completely out <laughs> of nowhere. Um, and I went with Kevin De Bruyne with my sure. third pick. So you can have all three. An important three picks yes, for you. very important. To get all three of them. Or, you know, I mean, hey, <laughs> I blocked your player last time and it kept you in the game. So <laughs> who really knows? And to wrap
0: up this week's podcast, we're going for back to the bold predictions. Because match, match predictions thus far, this late in the season, you know, there's only a few matches that matter. So, we're going to go with a bold prediction you have about the next upcoming match weeks. What do you got for us?
1: So, I am predicting that Leicester City will pull off a great escape. Maybe not the greatest escape. They are only two points from safety. But it is looking very, very bleak for sure. them. Um, Two points from safety. Two games to go. Those games against, obviously, uh, top four contender Newcastle. And then on the final day, they're at home to West Ham. But I think they are going to pull it off. I think that James Madison is going to... Single-handedly turn it around for this team. I think he'll have two goals over the next two weeks. Maybe they'll come as a brace. Hmm. Maybe you know it'll be a game each. But I think James Madison is going to play a huge part in keeping Leicester up. You can also expect a goal from Jamie Vardy. Um, I mean it has to be him. I do not think Jamie Vardy will let this team go down. Um, kind of just bit of faith here. I, I really. I really do want Leicester to stay up. They are a really quality side that I think that I just want to stay in the Premier League. Um, I think I think new I think they could shock Newcastle uh, this weekend. Newcastle um, haven't been playing their best Mm -hmm. um, soccer recently. Um, Lost to Arsenal at home. Which is a bit, a bit of a surprising result. Obviously, you know, Arsenal are quality side. Yeah. They've been fantastic all year. But I was expecting a bit more from the St. Yeah. uh home faithful. And then to not get three points at Leeds was a pretty surprising result too. So, you really can't bank on Newcastle. And hey, you know, it's happened to a lot of teams, you know, in these top four races. Newcastle haven't, you know, they're feeling the pressure. Yeah. They they must be. And they haven't been in positions like this before. They they could choke it. They really could. And obviously I don't want to see that and they've been great all year, but I think Leicester could capitalize on some nerves in you know the St. James's dressing room. So I think that Leicester are going to pull off the escape. Sending Everton down? Um Seems Everton, because like not many yeah. fours
0: have two points on them.
1: Yeah, yeah, Pro- probably Everton. That that is who I predicted. I believe in our last podcast yeah. that it would be Everton leads in Southampton. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Leicester City to escape.
0: My bold prediction. Maybe it's not even such a bold prediction. Um, but Aston Villa will hop over Tottenham and secure Europa Conference League football next season and tottenham will sit eighth and have no european football next season uh i think it's just again i don't think this is a terribly bold prediction tottenham playing like shit recently if kane doesn't score the team doesn't win and you got two games left <sighs> they they have two goals on on goal difference but i i, I think that come the end of the season I mean what are their games even looking like coming up? They got I know they have um at least in the final day, but they have Brentford at home, which is the losable of losable games. Mm-hmm. Um Villa have Liverpool, which again, one of the hottest teams in the league right now. Um and then they have uh Brighton on the final day. So two difficult games, but I think that they could take three points in one of them. Brighton may be playing for nothing on the final day, being locked into the, the, uh, six spot. So I think that Tottenham could very easily lose both of these games. Leeds are likely going to need something on the final day. Um, and then Brentford is a very losable game. So I think that needing just one point to hop them, one more point than Tottenham to hop them, uh, Tottenham go win loss and Villa draw Liverpool this week and then beat um Brighton at home on the final day that'll take them one above Tottenham and Tottenham will slip down to eighth and right now Tottenham do not look like winning any football matches so yeah. um that's my prediction Tottenham drop to eighth they get the Arsenal treatment and have to go into the summer with no Premier League football There's no European football which might help them might not um if they lose Kane this summer and we'll get to you know all the summer transfer window yeah. speculation um, for fu- for future podcasts. But, yeah, if they if they drop down to the eighth and lose Kate in the summer, it could be a <sighs> difficult season for them next year, no matter who they bring in for that number nine yeah. spot. If they do
1: at all. I mean, Richarlison is, is kind of yeah. – I don't think they bring in a new uh-huh. big money striker with Richarlison yeah. still yeah. in the ranks. You know, A solid one Premier League goal this season. I yes. mean, can –
0: can you really bring in anybody else? And
1: it was absolutely vital to the result of the match.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, what does he have? Uh, one goal and four yellow cards for taking <laughs> off his shirt? Yeah. <laughs> That's a crazy stat. I mean, it's irrelevant to my prediction. <laughs> but the fact that he has four yellow cards this season, all of them for taking off his shirt after scoring, and he has one Premier League goal.
1: Well, I don't think all of them are for taking off his shirt. I think... I think he's had four di- – I think what's happened is he's had four disallowed goals, but two of them – two of them he's taken off his shirt for. I and think then... he's
0: taken off his shirt for all of them.
1: Has he? I think so. I, I think that he is one away from being
0: suspended for Premier League matches for taking <laughs> off his shirt for disallowed goals. I think so. I have no way of confirming that unless I do some research and, like, go back to the yeah. actual goals. But I, th- I think I, – I think he did either way. Uh, I think Aston are taking it over Tottenham. They are on very good form and have resurged under Unai Amri. And I think Unai Amri could go, the Europa League merchant that he is, could go straight into the Conference League and spike that one up too with yeah. Aston next season. Um, but with that, we will round out the podcast for this week. Match week 37 coming up. Crunch time in the Premier League. Not necessarily for the title race, but certainly for the top four race in the relegation battle. Games to watch this week galore. And with that, we'll say goodbye. Adios.
1: See ya.